You guys already know the best part about doing all of this is the ability to connect the dots back to the past, right? Back to the days when Oklahoma State really started ascending in the college football landscape. And sometimes it's better to hear it from the guys who were there when it got all established directly from themselves. And we're going to do that with a legend right around the corner. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. y'all and hello all welcome back to locked on oklahoma state your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related my name is cody stovall i want to thank you kindly for stopping by and make this your first listen here on locked on oklahoma state we are available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as youtube you can find me on twitter at all day o state and this ladies and gentlemen is the one that i think we've all been waiting for today we are partially brought to you by fanduel it is where the game matters, is it where the game starts, and it's the official betting partner of the NFL. So whenever we talk about Oklahoma State, and whenever we, we talk about the ascension, right, and, and what we have become over the years, when we're thinking way back, you think of guys like Bob Fenimore, right? He opened the doors for so many people to be more successful. And then as it's progressed over time, you have people like Mark Cromer and Terry Young and T.D. Bryant, R.W. Quarters, Brandon Pettigrew, David Glidden, Josh Cooper, Darius Bowman, Josh Stewart, Dylan Stoner, Marcel Aitman, Dewan Woods, Chris Lacey, Justin Blackman, James Washington, Tyron Johnson, Tylen Wallace, Tyreek Hill, Tay Martin, and Des Bryant. And we would have virtually none of those individuals Without the man we have joining the program today, himself, Rashawn Woods. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm very, very happy to have you on the program today. And, you know, your ascension has been obviously something that as an Oklahoma State fan, we've all admired, right? But realistically, I kind of want to go down to just your decision-making process because you were the catalyst that kind of allowed, right, the, the ability for us to capitalize on the Woods name and get uh, Dewan and Donovan, your brothers, into Stillwater as well. So what was your decision-making process like to choose Oklahoma State University? Oklahoma State was a school that I wanted to go to. Uh, from the get-go, I was a big fan. Uh, as a kid, I wanted to make sure that I was – that I could watch the football games, watch the basketball games on television – and um, from day one, I was just a huge fan. Uh, my family were fans and I uh, was just really uh, excited and thankful that I got the opportunity and was good enough uh, to play for the Cowboys. So did you have to uh, convince uh, Dewan and Donovan or, or was it was it pretty much just a, a fluid transition where Mama Bear Woods had a hand in there? Uh, nobody did. Uh, everybody, uh, really, as far as family, let those guys, uh, my brothers, uh, make decisions on their own. Uh, and so they made the decision to come to Oklahoma State. Uh, and whether or not I was already there uh, may have had a hand in that. But overall, uh, it was their decision and they made it. So in that last Miles era, knowing that, you know, the running game was, was going to be the focal point, Whenever you came to Oklahoma State, and you were obviously going to redshirt in that 99 season, coming into that 2000 season, was it something that you knew that offensively you were you were going to be able to be very, very productive? Or did it kind of come on as you had more time in Stillwater? Did you know right away going into your redshirt freshman year that you were going to be a, a dude? Um, or did you think it was going to take some more time? I was a guy that just kept my head down and tried not to think about the overall logistics of it all. Uh, I just knew what uh, the coaches required of me, and I did the best to, uh, to do that. And uh, it's just all about thinking and doing the very best that I could every day, and it ended up growing into what it become. But um, all in all, I didn't have any – I didn't have a thought process of, of this grand scheme of being the guy. You know, you, you just come to work every day. You come to practice every day and do the best you can. And uh, and it just, uh, fortunately for me, happened that way. Okay. 
Okay, so you roll into your redshirt freshman year. I think you had 20, 29 catches for 329 yards. Um, I'm, I'm... Yeah, so that, somewhere that, now. That season, um, w- when did you really understand that, that you were potentially able to be the guy? Like what, what moment yeah. in your redshirt freshman year did that kind of take place for you? I don't think that ever happened. I was constantly fighting for playing time. It was every every snap that I got, I was making sure that, you know, I performed at a high level and made sure I graded out at a high level uh, from the coaches, at, you know, when we would go over film after the game. And those were my main focuses, uh, not necessarily, uh, again, having a blueprint to, to being the top guy. I would just want to be the best that I could be every day. And who was who was the mentor that kind of took you under his wings and helped kind of show you the ropes? Uh, Coach Wilson uh, coached me uh, my first two years. Richard Wilson was my receivers coach, and uh, he, he was doing and mentoring all the guys in the receiver room. Uh, he was teaching us how to play the game, where to be, how to practice, uh, and do those things. And so most of my uh, interactions with the coaching staff really went through him. Uh, and then I had sparing interactions with the head coach um, as the season progressed. What about from the wide receiver room? Who was the guy that really helped to help guide you? That's a good question. You know, those guys were pretty good. Jamal Fobbs was in that room some. I can remember him a little bit, you know, making some uh, comments and helping me along. Um, uh, so Terrence Richardson, I think, was in that room during that time. Uh, but all of those guys overall were really uh, a part of that process, and they were trying to make sure that they were doing what they needed to do as well. Uh, a lot of my time as a freshman was actually spent on the defensive side of the ball as a scout team player. And so if you, uh, if I want to credit anybody with helping me learn the ropes or, or get accustomed to uh, playing at a high level, uh, probably the entire defense and me uh, in my role in preparing those guys uh, to play well on Saturdays. Well, you know, the, the, the term Rashawn is still open is something that will always be in Stillwater. You left an indelible mark on Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I know you know that, right, because uh, you were recently uh, inducted into the Hall of Honor, Oklahoma State, right? And I think it's inevitable. It's a foregone conclusion that you most likely will end up on the Ring of Honor someday. So we all cannot wait for that. But let's kind of go back into some of what helped get you to that level. But real quick, before we do, I do have to tell the fine folks out here about FanDuel. Guys, you really don't need any other betting application, especially for this Super Bowl season coming up, because it is America's number one sports book. You all know we are very, excuse me, very excited to announce our partnership with FanDuel. And download FanDuel right now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with the no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back and bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can bet on money lines, point spreads, who are school next touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid instantly. So go to FanDuel today. FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. So now let's talk about the season that kind of really put you on the map, right? Your, your sophomore season, uh, you come in, you had 1,041 yards. Um, I can't recall how many receptions. I think it was over 100. It was 107 for 100. Yeah, 107 catches for 1,049 yards, correct? Uh, my sophomore year was 80 catches for 149 and 10 touchdowns, yes. Got it. And then so that junior year was the, the 107? Yeah, 107 for 16-something, yes. So whenever Bedlam comes to Collin, was that a game that you just naturally got up for more due to, you know, being being from Oklahoma and kind of being involved in that rivalry growing up? Or did it just so happen uh, that you played like a, like, like a man possessed on fire for that one? You know, uh, our prep was, wasn't any different. Uh, you know how important the game is and how much buzz is around it because, you know, the media, that's all the media talks about. Uh, you had a chance to grow up and see those games played and, and the excitement surrounding it. So uh, we were all aware uh, of that. 
But all in all, we prepared just like any game. Uh, guys were really moving around and always excited to practice whether we won or lost that year. And that was one thing that the coaches did a good job of keeping us locked in, win or lose. And, uh, and so I, I don't recall anything different uh, that we tried to do to prepare ourselves outside of just continuing to do the right things to be the best we could be. Well, so 2001, obviously you have what is known in Stillwater as the catch, like it's our version of the catch uh, in the corner of the end zone to, to knock off OU. And people, I think, sometimes forget that at that point in time, OU was still in contention to play for a national title, right? So That's it, right. It, wasn't, it wasn't just the catch, right? It was the implications and everything else surrounding it. And then so you say coming in, uh, so the 2002 season, you know, the preparation and all that uh, was obviously going to be pretty much the same. But that's your 107, uh, 1,695 yards uh, season. And I think you end up having like 17 or 18 touchdowns uh, along the way as well. And then that's that's the one where you really, really broke the doors um, open because that OU game, you had 12 catches for like 230 yards, man. Was it – I mean, okay, so in basketball, right, you, you, shooters talk about sometimes you just get so hot you have to give yourself heat checks. Was it that kind of a game for you, right? Was every route going right? You're reading every coverage perfect. Josh Josh Fields is dialing up dimes. Was everything just working right that day, or was, was OU doing something uh, that maybe shouldn't have? Yeah, you know, the, the coaches did a great job of preparing us and putting us in a situation to be successful. Uh, and, you know, from a confidence standpoint, every, everything started to snowball pretty early in that game because we were having success. Uh, so uh, when you have that combination of preparation, you know, it's, it's, you look back on it and it was really, really a special day for the Cowboys. And, and like you said, you respect the process, you respect the preparation and all that stuff leading up to it. And unless miles, right. He was fairly traditional and in, in how he, he did things uh, the, the way that he conducted his, his pregame meetings and everything. But for that 2002 bedlam, if I recall correctly, coach miles showed you a little bit of a different side that allowed a little bit of extra emotion involved. Yeah, I mean, he was excited about the game, and he showed that. Uh, he showed that in pregame uh, meetings. Uh, and, you know, guys can feed off of those things, especially when you know that it's genuine and it's not you know, acted out, so to speak. And so uh, Coach had a lot of fire in him, uh, and he did a great job of conveying that to us uh, as a team. And, uh, and his expectations uh, were pretty clear. His standard was pretty clear. And we all benefited from that, from his leadership. Well, you know, when you're, you're, you're coming into the game, um, what's the over-under on how many dry race boards he destroyed to help get you pumped up? You know, I, I, <laughs> I think it was just one that day. Uh, but, again, uh, it was the uh, improv to, to really get us fired up. That it, you know, It's not something that you see every week uh, right. from him in particular because he's so in tune. He was so in tune to making sure that things were – we're done the right way and so detailed that there's not a lot of room for uh, for uh, for the unexpected, so to speak. And so uh, doing that and, and, you know, can really get guys going, man. It's just kind of part of it, uh, ability to get guys ready to play. And he had a knack for that. That's awesome. Okay, well, with catches of 40 yards, 60 yards, 13 yards for, for touchdowns, again, that this is exactly where the saying uh, became – what it is today, which is Rashawn is still open. So your, your, your junior year, everything's kind of, you know, catapulting you into the next, the next level. Right. And you're an all American as a junior, you're an all American again as a senior. Um, and then you also had that magical day against SMU. Is, was that kind of like the OU thing where everything was just kind of working right. Um, and that is still to this day, the record for NCAA touchdowns in one game. I mean, talk about that a little bit. How'd that feel? When you caught that seventh one, did you know it was the record? Uh, you know, I, I found out pretty quick. Once I got to five, I knew that it was getting up there. And, uh, again, uh, it was, you know, part of the game plan as far as the way they were playing us. You know, you, you take advantage of what they give you. And they were giving us the one-on-one on the outside and, uh, that wasn't probably the best game plan defensively for SMU, and they and they found out out th- that night. Whenever you get get kind of done with your senior year, 
And and remember, yes, yeah, so you have four thousand four hundred and fourteen yards. If I, yeah, four thousand four hundred fourteen yards and forty two touchdowns in your time at Oklahoma State. Whenever you capitalize on that, um, you know, and and honestly, people tend to forget, right? We've had Tatum Bell on the program before. You guys had a very, very, very good running game back then. So your four thousand four hundred and fourteen yards, realistically, and today's offense would be it would be absolutely astronomical what the number would have been. So, you know, whenever you see that, and then you're getting ready for the NFL draft, now kind of walk us through a little bit of that. Did you have a pretty good idea of where you were going to go uh, beforehand? I know the draft's kind of, you know, crazy, and you got teams talking to you all the time, but you had a first-round grade, uh, and obviously the Niners ended up picking you up with a number 31 overall in the first round. But did you know the Niners were super interested? Was there, was there a team before that that maybe you thought you were going to go to? Oh, no, not really. Uh, it was all over the place for me in particular. Uh, I can remember vividly a, uh, an agent firm that was wanting me to sign and um, you know because I was so wide in where I could possibly go and they had some insider information on that deal I can remember them vividly telling me that if I could go in the top 20 then I would I would only have to sign with them only give up two percent of my salary or something like that they they sign people based on salaries and if but if I went after the first 20 that I would have to do the whole three percent or three and a half or whatever it was. And so that told me right away, because in a way they were trying to maybe take advantage of my perceived lack of knowledge of where I may fall, uh, that I would probably fall within that lower first round or early second round range. And so I knew that I would fall somewhere in there, which team was really interested in me at that time. Um, I, who knew? I mean, I. <laughs> Uh, you don't you think you think, you know, but you don't. Um, and so San Francisco was really a surprise for me and uh, and it was a pretty exciting one at that. And where did you watch the, the draft at? Was you back at home? Yeah, I was at home watching with my family. And then so whenever you were, were even before Oklahoma State. Were you and Dewan and Donovan like always um, um, doing something with a football in your hands? We played out in the you know in the yard quite a bit with football. We, we were on our all separate teams. We played with the same team, so we played little league on the T Birds, the Thunderbirds, and we all were obviously different ages, but we played through the same organization, and we all played at Millwood. And so, as kids, you know, you do what kids do. Uh, you play out in the yard. Uh, you, you have a good time doing those things. And my older brother actually played college football before us, and so he was kind of the teacher, so to speak. And he okay. would kind of guide us one way or another as far as teaching us the game. Uh, and so having that uh, having that older figure who understood the game a little bit uh, really, really helped progress us mentally. And who was Donovan always the, the quarterback of the group? He played – not really. He played quarterback in high school. Uh, I don't know if he played in in uh, Pop Warner, but okay. uh, he played in high school. He was moved there his second year, and from the time he was moved there, he could control the game, and uh, he understood it and was athletic enough to do just about anything that uh, they needed him to do. Yeah, people also forget that he threw for almost 1,700 yards his freshman year at Oklahoma State. And realistically, you know, I, I think Donovan's one of those people I always point to that what could have what possibly been even more, because the poor guy played four different positions in Stillwater before he made it to, to, to his time in the NFL. And obviously, Dewan had a very good stint there for a while with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Donovan had a good stint there. Uh, he made a couple practice squads, I do indeed believe, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you uh, went to San Francisco, can you please kind of go into some of the injury stuff that happened? Because we all know, if I recall, it was a disastrous hamstring issue, correct? Yeah, so, you know, early on, things were kind of going pretty good. And I, and I say early on, like the first maybe two or three weeks. And uh, as But as training camp went on, I ended up pulling my hamstring and uh, – and it was a bad pull. And so uh, I didn't realize how bad it was at first. And the main thing for me was trying to get back and, right. uh, and try to be a part of that deal. And uh, maybe I didn't attend to it the way that I should have. Who knows now? You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, but it became reoccurring. Okay? It became reoccurring uh, and became chronic. Uh, and it ended up being the beginning of the end of uh, my football career. Got it. Okay, so 
walk us through a little bit of that after you leave the the 49ers and and, and you leave you the, the time in the NFL. I know you had a, a women's uh, basketball coach in high school, if I recall correctly, that kind of helped guide you a little bit into deciding to get into the, the coaching game. Is that is that about right? Yeah, so after the football, and this goes for most guys, but especially for me, and it's pretty depressing and it's extremely difficult uh, to, to end my football career the way that I did. And so uh, it was a situation where I needed to find and, and, put, and pick myself back up and, and find a place in society. And uh, I was able to do that uh, in the very beginning. Uh, Ms. Spears uh, gave me the reins of a, she needed a, a coach that wasn't going to get paid uh, to coach a middle school <laughs> basketball, a middle school basketball team and, uh, and prepare those guys at Millwood. And so uh, one of the guys that was on that team actually uh, is, uh, is in the NFL right now, Cameron Batson. Uh, and, I had a great time working with those guys. Uh, I found joy in coaching and I knew that, man, this is possibly something that I could do post football uh, because when you spend so much time preparing yourself to play at the next level and just play, it's really, it's not a lot of time to think about what's after. And, uh, you know, if that was one thing that I, I would have done differently is would always have been prepared for the next step always at least having the back of my mind that, hey, there has to be a next step in this deal, and I need right. to be aware of that. But um, that wasn't the case. I wasn't mature enough at that time in my life to, to understand that. But, again, that's why uh, the Spurs and other coaches were there uh, to help me along the way, and, and that did a lot for me during that time in my life. Okay, so how did the call come uh, for you to end up in Oklahoma City Marshall? Uh, so uh, I was at um, Star Spencer first. So I forgot my first okay. coaching job, uh, offensive coordinator Star Spencer under Coach Darrell Hall. Uh, they had a uh, coach leave and they needed an offensive coordinator. And so uh, okay. he actually did not want to give me the reins of offensive coordinator right away. Uh, but uh, things were so bad that he really had no choice. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I worked at Star Spencer. I, I coached. Uh, the offensive side of the ball, and it just had a pretty basic understanding of what offenses needed to do and, and how and how and, and to get guys in the right position just from paying attention in the meeting room, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, we actually won a state championship that year. The offense was extremely good, uh, and I had a lot of joy in doing that. Uh, the joy that I saw on the guys' faces from success, you know, having a, being a part of the first state title in, in that school's history was uh, very special to me. Uh, and so the next year, though, uh, I think the head coach took a job elsewhere um, and uh, I just didn't have enough experience yet to be the head coach of a program based on what my uh, other people told me. Right. And so I ended up at, back at my alma mater, Millwood, for three years. Right. Uh, I was at Millwood uh, for three years there. I, I worked with the middle school. My first year, I worked with the high school uh, and it, I didn't really like it all that much. And so I stuck to middle school. And uh, really enjoyed myself there. Again, had a chance to coach a lot of great uh, young men and didn't really, really learn the ropes uh, from a coaching standpoint on, on what was needed and what responsibilities I would have to have as a head coach. Uh, and so I did that for three years. Found out that they were going to have teacher cuts. Uh, if you're from Oklahoma, you've heard all about it. And I was on a chopping block and I needed to find another job. Uh, I understood it. Uh, and so that's what I did. Uh, I saw that uh, a couple of jobs were open, the Southeast job and maybe the Chandler job were open at the time. Uh, and I didn't get a call uh, from Chandler and the Southeast job uh, called me, but I didn't get an interview. And a guy or a principal at John Marshall saw my resume for the Southeast job on the desk of the athletic director at the time and said, you know what? Hey, can we call, can we call that guy and see if he'd be interested? And the athletic director granted him permission to give me a call. And uh, a week later, I'm sitting down in front of the principal, uh, in front of a couple other uh, people with invested interest in the program. And uh, I was on my way to being the head football coach at John Marshall. Well, and um, if you get a gold ball out of it, I would say that that means you probably did a decent job of it. Yeah, you know, they were um, they were 0-10. And had been losing for a little while and really in despair. Uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, 
uh, inner city schools in general, uh, you know, a lot of resources. People are working hard to to try to help uh, with resources in, in, in those communities. But uh, at the time, for sure, it was very dismal, uh, to say the least. And it's a lot of talent, a lot of talent, a lot of uh, God-given ability in, in those schools. And uh, I was able to find that out firsthand. Ended up, you know, putting together a plan and giving those guys some direction and just really, you know, immersing myself in that school district and, and being a part of that um, uh, and really enjoying that whole process and, and turning that program around. Okay. And then how'd you end up from there to my place of birth, Enid, Oklahoma? Because if you're going to talk about downtrodden, Bubba, I'm, I'm, I'm from Enid. I know good and daggone well what the state of the program was at. Let's see, we left, we moved, we moved out of Enid again in uh, 2014, and they were not, yeah, not in a good spot, and it was pretty, pretty consistent, two, three win seasons max, uh, and then, so you come into Enid. What, what kind of led you to that being, you know, a, an alluring type of job because you knew you were in for another massive rebuild. Yeah, so, uh, you know, after John Marshall, I knew I could win there. Uh, and I was, you know, some coaching was something I really enjoyed. And so uh, I wanted, I had the urge to to continue to pursue higher level jobs with higher level competition and, and, and so on. And so I had done that. I had helped turn around a program, a turnaround a program at John Marshall. And I was excited uh, for a new a challenge. Uh, I knew that I, I could do it. Uh, something in my heart told me that I needed to go to the highest level. And, uh, you know, I applied at other jobs and, you know, I wasn't considered for one reason or another, even after uh, the success at John Marshall. I, I felt like uh, after getting done, it, I was slighted for sure, because I knew there wasn't many people in, in Oklahoma that could probably turn John Marshall around. And I did it, but I didn't necessarily get the credit that I thought. I deserved uh, from a from from a coaching world, or just you know from the uh, from how it was viewed, uh, right. because I would go and interview for jobs that were clearly in distress, that I could easily uh, turn around and, and make, and I and I was not being considered for those jobs. Like I would not get the job, and so um, you know that bothered me for a little while. But a guy, a, a friend of mine now, but Brad Gungle, who is from Enid, yes, yes. I, know, I know Brad. I know Brad. Uh, so we fished, you know, we fished a couple times. Uh, we went out and we won a, a couple tournaments together. I placed pretty high in some tournaments, which is which is right. a crazy story because, I mean, he doesn't move very fast. And uh, <laughs> some days I'm a good fisherman, some days I'm not. But we're out there. I mean, every time we go, we seem like we just we 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 land on a lot of fish. You know, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's luck. Who knows? But he starts to talking to me about it. And he convinced me uh, that I should give it a look and give it a shot. And so uh, I did. I knew the state of the program uh, was really bad. It was really bad. And um, I just I was confident in myself uh, that I could help that program turn around. And I knew that if I did, uh, that would be one of the best situations or best jobs that could have been done in the state. I would have known without a doubt that nobody else could have done that. Uh, and so that was uh, exciting for me for the challenge. I wasn't afraid of failure anymore because I had been through it and I figured I would just learn from it. And I, I took the chance. I love it, man. Okay. So speaking of, Oh, this is good. This is good. Okay. Um, we're going to jump into, cause I, I'm telling you a little bit earlier. Uh, I did a, a little bit of a breakdown right on every single commit at Oklahoma state, except for one. There's only one guy that I have not done uh, all of the, uh, the, sh the shows about. But before we let you break down that individual, I do have to take a quick minute to talk about Built Bar. You guys already know it is my favorite sponsor that, that we have, and it has been for quite some time now. Uh, but Built Bar, it is the only protein bar out there that legitimately tastes like a candy bar. And with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein, it does everything you need it to without you having to deal with the, the taste of all the other protein bars. So do yourselves a favor. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built Bars. You can grab yourself a four-bar box 
Or you can head to a Sam's Club if that's easier for you. Run in, grab yourself a 13-bar box. Make sure you hit all of the flavors like brownie batter, churro, cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puff. Go get you some Bill Bar, guys. You will definitely, definitely thank me later. All right, Rashawn. So now, give us a little bit of a breakdown of who we're getting in Tyke Andrews. So, uh, Tyke Andrews was a freshman when I came in. I could see right away that he was extremely talented. Uh, And uh, he was a sponge. Uh, He was great to coach. Uh, he took everything that I could coach. Uh, he learned was a fast learner, and he really, really became a, a really polished route runner in the four years that I have him. Uh, that had him uh, the weight program and, and this the program in general with all of those guys that had been there from freshman on. Uh, they were uh, just continuing to get better every year. Uh, Enid has not been known as a power five uh, hotbed. And so getting recruiters to come and recruit those guys was probably is probably one of the biggest uh, accomplishments uh, that I've had a chance to be a part of at Enid uh, because right, Donovan right. Ryman, you know, Luke Rao, Taki Andrews, Eric Lewis, those guys are all division one football players in the last two years uh, is truly, truly special. And, uh, you know, I'm not there anymore, but I know that, over time, they will realize just how tremendous uh, that really is because uh, it hadn't happened in back-to-back years. I don't know if it's ever happened, but you've had that. Uh, they would really have to go digging into a, uh, a, a history book to try and figure that out. Uh, but uh, the way uh, that we were starting to kick guys out to the next level and even at the highest yeah. level was really unprecedented uh, for Indian football. Oh, yeah, no, I think uh, you'd have to go back to 05, 06, right? They had, uh, we, had, we had Austin Box and Clint Shelf and Colton Shelf and Andrew Athey and Ezra Forbes and Daniel Holsclaw. But, yeah, since 2005, 2006, seven, seven range, it, it's been very, very down, very down. So, yeah, I'm very yeah. well aware of what you've done in Enid. And being yeah, from you know, Enid, I, yeah, I, I, I made a joke with my son um, a couple years ago. I told him if if you would have taken the Enid High job when we still lived at Enid, we'd have never we'd have never left. <laughs> yeah. So if you're well, talking about the effect you have on people, um, I think it's preposterous that that some people didn't necessarily look at your body of work and and view it. Um, and from a Tyke Andrews perspective, you say a, a polished route runner, right? Which you don't see you don't see a lot of. of freshmen that are able to come in and run route trees at an advanced level. But that's what you were always known for, right? Gundy talks about it all the time. So does Josh Fields. Your ability to run routes and get instantaneous separation is what separated you from a lot of people. And realistically, you know, at the beginning of the show, we listed off all the Oklahoma State dudes that have had opportunities, right, in the in the NFL at the position of wide receiver. And the route running and everything that you put forth is still – is still considered the, the, the bee's knees or, or Taj Mahal. Yeah, and one thing that I, as a coach now, I take it, you know, I take great pride in is anybody that plays the receiver position that I have a chance to coach in high school, every one of those guys are going to be from a understanding of how to get separation, whether they're a power five talent or the division three talent, or they're not a college athlete at all. They're going to be able to do those things at a high level, and they're going to be better uh, at that, regardless of their talent. I can't do anything about their God-given ability. I can only only help them be the best that they can be and really, really teach them. And so all of my receivers, whether they've had a tremendous amount of talent or not, were able are able to get open, to make plays. And, and do really good things. And, and we had guys on the team that, again, don't have that talent, but, you know, had really good years for us. And uh, Taiki, uh, fortunately for him, is blessed with, uh, with that level of talent. And if he was close to maybe on the fringe, which I think he probably was, uh, his ability to have such a great year and, and, and be so right. detailed in what he did uh, is something that I was proud to help him maybe get over the hump, so to speak. Yeah, no, I watched the film. The, the film, the separation is really honestly what, what 
really stands out, right? I mean, he's got some some highlights where he's got some one-handed touchdowns going in the end zone, but he's 12 yards away from the corner, you know, but just his ability to adjust his body midair and, and do some of that stuff, right? It's just, it makes sense when you figure out who he was coached by, right? So thank you very much for that. We, we greatly appreciate you, brother. And then your transition from Enid to Tyler, again, your life has been nothing but ascension after ascension after ascension. And now you're in that, that same area again and you're taking over for a legend who is at tyler for i think 11 years if i recall correctly now you're coming in uh and you're taking that 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 place but tyler's a hotbed if you want to talk about getting division one dudes right into college you know good and daggone well now now you're going to have a plethora of guys that you could potentially mold into being d1 level because let's face it some of them already just naturally come with it that's right. And that's the advantage here, Tyler, is that, yeah, whether or not I'm here or not, those guys, are, you know, college coaches are going to come here. Uh, they're going to always know that, hey, there are big time players out of here. And so what my responsibility now becomes is how do I increase that? How do I um, help those guys be even better or, or, or get even more opportunities? And so I've got to try and determine, you know, what that looks like. You know, and, and, and so whether I'm coaching the receivers, uh, my standard and, and what I do uh, is going to be done now at a place uh, that can turn, you know, two or three guys that may go Division One every year to possibly six or seven. OK, and so there's always room for improvement there. Not to say that uh, it hasn't already been done at a high level, uh, but I've had an opportunity to do it where it has where it was thought to have not been able to be done. Okay. And so now I'm somewhere where it's happening already. And I've done it in places where it doesn't happen. That combination to me uh, can be pretty special uh, because I'm going to go about it the same way, regardless of if the talent is there or if it's not, uh, it's the standard and how I do things, the, the, the uh, attention, to detail that is elevating kids and that will continue to elevate young men uh, to the next level. So you kind of, you, ever since Hartley Dykes for the most part, right? Because you were the first All-American wide receiver we had since Hartley Dykes. Hartley Dykes, you know, kind of set the mold. You broke the mold. Whenever you see some of these guys that have come in after, like your Tylen Wallace's or your James Washington's or your Tyree Kills or your Des Bryant's, what, what, what most, I don't know, what are you most proud of whenever you see the, ascension of, of the players that we've got right to even be in the conversation of wide receiver you and which one of those players do you think surprised you the most uh you know it's not necessarily as proud as, as much as it is thankful that i was part of such a group a great group of coaches a great university uh and just being a part of that atmosphere right i didn't have to be there okay if it wasn't me it would be somebody else i'm thankful for everything that the coaches poured into me I'm thankful for the relationships that I had at Oklahoma State. And I would probably go as far as to say that those guys that came after me are thankful for that, too. Oh. You know, they may very well be thankful for the sacrifice that I had to make or the fact that I chose the school. You know, hey, I mean, we all are connected in some way, whether it's um, uh, because they used to watch my film and thought that I was I could really have success here or, or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, I don't look at it as much as being proud as I am or look at it as being just thankful that, you know, my life played out uh, through Oklahoma State and the relationships uh, that I've had the chance to uh, to uh, enjoy there. Okay, and, and which one of the, the many receivers we've sent to the NFL over the last eight to ten years did you really just find yourself awestruck at times? Man, I love watching really them all. It wasn't anyone that, uh, that really stood out per se. But I was, I was a big Justin Blackman fan. I'm a big Des Bryant fan. Still am a big uh, Des Bryant fan, fan, fan. You know, I follow the guy on Instagram. I, I've never spoken to him. You know, really? I've never, I haven't spoken to some of these guys. Uh, but all in all, I follow those guys. And, and uh, you know, you know the, the men that they are becoming or are and the things that they've done at a high level, I know the work that goes into that. And so, like, all you can do is respect it. Uh, and I would assume assume that at some point I, I will cross paths, but whether you, I've spoken to them or not, you know, there's still a mutual respect that we all share. And, you know, because we know what it really takes to, to have that high level of success. 
Very, very, very well said. Very well said. Well, before we skedaddle on out of here, um, give us a give us a little update. What are you, what are your what are your brothers getting into nowadays? Yeah, so Dewan is uh, lives in Frisco, uh, Texas, and uh, he's been in the training scene for quite some time. I mean, ten or fifteen okay. years. He's been uh, training young athletes, training you know adults just trying to help them better their lives. Donovan works for Oklahoma OSU OKC. Uh, he's in the fundraising department there. Uh, right. He's been doing that for, for quite some time. Uh, Donovan has coached with me a couple of years at uh, John Marshall. He was my defensive coordinator um, doing our state championship at John Marshall. Uh, he is now as a side job, the defensive coordinator at Millwood High School. Uh, and he was part of that staff this past year that they won the Silver Ball. Uh, so they were very oh. close to winning a, another state championship there. Uh, under uh, uh, Coach Franklin's uh, uh, tenure. Okay. So whenever you are looking into this coming season at Tyler, um, what what do you think is your primary objective? Do you have a certain win total in mind? Do you have a certain barometer of productivity in mind? Uh, what's, your, what's your overall anticipation for year one? You know, uh, I have a system and a standard uh, that has to be implemented, and that's going to be the focus. Uh, the way that we practice every day, uh, the way that we do things in the building and, and away from football are going to all be important. And I'm going to emphasize those things to be done the right way, really, because those guys, they want to be successful. In my short time here, uh, they work hard in the weight room. Uh, they've uh, uh, they've adapted to the change that we've uh, kind of set up on those guys. And and, and I'm excited you know, when we get them on the field, we'll be able to see uh, the things that we need to focus in on. Uh, to uh, to have success again. And uh, outside of that, I'm extremely confident uh, when I watch those guys uh, from my past uh, going through a lot tougher situations uh, at uh, Enid and John Marshall uh, as a head coach that uh, those experiences are going to help put me in a position to uh, be the best for those guys and, and put them in a position to uh, to have success on and off the field. Do you get to uh, make the trip back to Stillwater on a on a pretty regular basis, right, to catch catch games? Yeah, I've been doing the radio for the better part of 10 years with uh, Sports Animal. So I've been, been doing the uh, pre and post game actually for 11 years. So uh, every home game I've been there, I've watched every game, uh, whether it be on TV or there in person uh, for, for a while now. And so uh, watching uh, the program, watch uh, watching Coach Gundy and, and team continue to to have success and, and, and where there's some storms here and there is, uh, has been a joy of mine. Well, that, I'm glad you brought that up. Another thing that I wanted to hit on was, so as Gundy is clearly transitioning this season, um, you know, we've kind of established ourselves as a high flying offense, or at least that's been right. The, the, the perception for, for a long time, but clearly with all the, the tight ends, right. And the, the ability to, have more 11 personnel, a little bit more 12 personnel, potentially have some more diamond formation stuff. Us going back to a little bit more old school is going to be more reminiscent of your time, which is one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to have you on the program is because if you go back and look, right, when when Mike Gundy was the OC under Les Miles, and even whenever he became the head coach running the offense himself, Mike Gundy's offenses used to be very, very, very inventive and creative. And again, you have darn near 5,000 yards um, that, that you rack up. Meanwhile, Tatum Bell's a you know three-time All-Big 12-er, All-American. You had Vernon Marinci uh, back there at some point in time. You had Seymour Shaw back there at, at different points in time. Uh, I know even when you came in, Reggie White was already there. So we've always been able to have a very good running game that we were able to lean behind while also producing you know in the passing game with the Rashawn Woods and the Dewan Woods and the TD Bryants of the world. Whenever you kind of think back on that, do you get some of your imprint offensively from Mike Gundy? Uh, it's a combination of guys. Uh, anytime that I'm watching college professional football, I'm watching it to learn. I don't necessarily watch it as a fan. Uh, and so I try to, you know, uh, really pay attention to, you know, what they do with formations, how, how motions and things of that nature is affected the defense, uh, and just continue to be a sponge and learn as best I can. Uh, and so it's not necessarily sitting down with one coach or here or there, uh, but just, again, paying attention uh, to the little things uh, between the lines, so to speak, uh, that can help me along my journey 
to be successful. And then, you know, here and there, I may ask some coaches uh, for information uh, on certain situations. And some guys are pretty respect receptive to that. Some guys, you know, they'll, they, they won't respond back to you. So, you, you know, you just kind of stay on that. Uh, you stay aggressive as far as trying to get information from guys that are doing it at a high level. And, and if they help you out, then that's a great deal. If they don't, uh, don't worry about it too much. Move on to the next guy. You know, you, you've got to know that uh, the higher level you get, the more busy you are. And taking every phone call is almost impossible. <laughs> uh, so as I'm learning. Yeah, no. And and uh, tracking you down to get you on, on the show, I, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, I, I respect everything that you've been able to do. We have been for I have been following your career uh, for, from afar ever since you you. Uh, you know, left the NFL basically. And then your, your time in Enid, I know what kind of mark that you're leaving there as well. Uh, I can't wait to see the success you have at Tyler. Obviously, as, as an Oklahoma State fan, we'll always remember those bedlams, right? Because, you know, it's not like we have an overabundance of them to celebrate at, all the time. So we like to go back. We like to think back to memory lane. And especially now that you're seeing Mike Gundy bring back some of this 11 personnel, this 12 personnel, because there are some fans that are concerned now that if this is the route that we're going, if it's successful, are we going to have a difficulty recruiting wide receivers and so on and so forth in the future? And again, this, I think you can say it better than anybody. If you, if the offense is run the right way, right. Then both, both sections are going to be able to eat just fine. Right. Yeah, I mean the personnel and the guys that they recruit have no uh, uh, no bearing on how good how well the offense is going to be. Okay, you can use uh, personnel and, and different things in so many different ways to get guys to football. Uh, and so, uh, however they do that, uh, one thing that you can be for sure uh, know for sure is that Coach Gundy's done a great job over his tenure, over twenty years of, of, of figuring that deal out. And so, uh, I, I would expect nothing uh, less. Uh, just because we've seen it so, so many times, you know, the, the mere fact that it even gets questioned every year is really, I think, just a, something to be of a, as of a talking point uh, anytime that uh, there's an opportunity for me to really talk about it. So uh, those guys know what's going on and I'm excited to see how it all comes together uh, and uh, wish Oklahoma State nothing but the best. Well, we wish you the same. We cannot wait again to see what you do in Tyler. Uh, can't wait to see you back. And then obviously we'll continue uh, to hear your input as a post-game, pre-game stuff that you also have been doing for, for a large amount of time. Before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to tell the fine people out there of you know, State uh, Yeah, you know, anybody that supported, you know, the crazy thing about this whole journey is you got, got people on both sides, people that think you're great, people that, that don't people that believe in you and people that don't and, and everybody that does and really that doesn't, you know, I appreciate all of you, you know, because the people who maybe have doubted me have been uh, such a great fuel for me to continue to prove you guys wrong. Uh, the guys that are uh, continually uh, excited and, and happy for me. Again, you guys are also uh, people that, again, that I appreciate uh, and to my, really my family, uh, my immediate family, they uh, through this whole process, whether good or bad, they've always been there. And those are things that uh, you just can't buy. And so, again, appreciative of it all. All righty. Well, brother man, let the fine people out there know what you got going on and, and how they can kind of follow, follow along with what you're doing there in Tyler. Yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're in our off-season program and, and uh, you know, I'm kind of tasked with making sure I get uh, coaches uh, acclimated to the area, uh, establish a program and, and, and really get things going here in Tyler. So uh, I'm down here. I'm a citizen of, of Texas now, and uh, I'm excited for what the future holds and uh, just really enjoying getting up and going to work every day. And when I get some time to uh, kind of hang out, I'll try to do that. Too. But, you know, pretty basic. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to do. All that stuff is pub public. And most of the time it's, it's really family uh, football efficient. So, uh, the three F's for Coach Woods. <laughs> I love it. All right, brother man. Well, thank you very, very much for your for your time. Uh, we will always remember what you have done for us in Stillwater, and we cannot wait to see what the future holds for you. Right? Hopefully, maybe we even circle the wagons and uh, 
and you end up back at back at Oklahoma State. You know, who knows? Either way, um, whether that happens or it doesn't, you know, I'm all I'm so thankful for everything Oklahoma State and, and the people that have done for me already. You know, it really doesn't have to go any further than what it is right now. Uh, and uh, I'm so excited to be here and, you know, in the present uh, here in Tyler. So, uh, again, thank you. Absolutely. Again, everybody, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Rashawn Woods. Thank you, brother. Thank you very, very, very much. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, y'all, before we skedaddle on out of here officially, I do have to send out a reminder. Obviously, today we have a massive basketball game with the number 16. Or why they, It might be different now, but last I looked. Anyway, it's a top 15, top 15, top 16 TCU inside Gallagher Arena. But other, other than that, right, you got to make sure that you're checking out some of the other, some of the other uh, possibilities uh, when it comes to the, the college basketball landscape, right? Locked On College Basketball is a new channel that, that we have, and it's, it has everything you really need to know. Uh, they also have some big names and insiders that, that kind of jump on there as well. So do yourself a favor if you want to kind of see how all of the college basketball landscape is coming, coming together on a daily basis. Go ahead and, and, and check them out, and they'll, they'll definitely take care of you. That's all we got for this one, guys. It, this was an honor. Um, you know, so, sometimes I have to pinch myself doing this thing uh, because, yeah, you know, these are these are legends of the game. These are people that you grew up idolizing. I know I did, right? There were several times where I'd run around in my backyard pretending that I was Rashawn Woods or Bobby Reed or Tatum Bell. So it's a, it's a blessing to be in this position. It's a blessing to have these individuals on the show. And it's definitely, definitely a blessing to have all of you on the ride. So, as always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. And we will continue to do this. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for making Locked On Oklahoma State your daily stop for all things Cowboy and Cowgirl related. Later, y'all. Go Pokes. Beat the horny